This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Tuesday, July 6th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. One of the bright spots that helped many restaurants and businesses make it through the pandemic was the ability to extend out on the sidewalks and streets. It helped them continue to do business while indoor activities were restricted, and in many areas, these changes are being made permanent. But for disabled citizens, these changes can make sidewalks feel like obstacle courses. Calls are now being made for mini equality impact assessments, which notify business owners of reasonable adjustments that can be made to provide better accessibility. John Sirico, contributor to Bloomberg City Lab, joins us for how open streets impacted disabled users. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks so much for having me. One of the things that happened throughout the pandemic in a lifeline, really, for a lot of restaurants is that cities allowed them to spill out into the sidewalks and even in the streets. This happened, it was a response to closing down of indoor dining. So they said, hey, you can move out into these other spaces. We'll let you do that. In a lot of cases, now that we are kind of reopening from uh, after the pandemic and all that, a lot of cities and states are making some of those changes permanent, allowing those, you know, those restaurants to keep those spaces outside. A lot of them invested money in uh, making these little outdoor dining areas. But one of the things, and I enjoyed them very much myself, I, I, I kind of applauded that they were able to extend those. But one of the things that, that we're seeing now is that for our uh, disabled Americans, this is uh, actually posing a problem for those on wheelchairs and others with uh, mobility impairments. It's, uh, it's hard to navigate those areas. And, and reading through your piece, I started thinking even of myself, on a busy streetway right there, it is kind of difficult to navigate even for, for a normal person just to walk around. You have to make a left and a right and all this stuff. It can get pretty complicated. So John, tell us a little bit about what we're seeing with this. Sure. So, you know, this story kind of came about where, you know, I've been reporting on streets and accessibility for a couple of years now, whether it's in public transit or on streets themselves. And, you know, I heard from advocates who I'd spoken to in the past who said, you know, these new parklet, you know, outdoor COVID era parklets, outdoor dining, you know, we're seeing them used for 
uh, retail now. We're seeing them used for all sorts of different uses that they came back out onto the streets because many disabled Americans were, were shielding during COVID due to underlying vulnerabilities. And when they came out to the streets, they found that they were completely reconfigured for this outdoor dining and they they couldn't get by. Right. There's there's cluttered sidewalks. There's tables and, you know, chairs kind of going out into the public right of way. There's outdoor dining structures that, you know, are inaccessible because the tables are too tight or there's not a ramp to get over the curb. You know, you see all these sorts of problems arising from these issues. And they really just, you know, were calling for kind of a seat at the table and, and hoping that, you know, if we were to make these structures permanent, which, as you mentioned, a lot of them are going to be permanent, that the, the temporary problems don't become permanent. I think that's important there, that kind of piece. You mentioned in the article that you grew up with a disabled parent. And there's this kind of a ritual that a lot of people go through, actually, uh, when they're deciding, hey, we're actually going to go out. We're going to go somewhere. Uh, you got to call ahead, see if there's a ramp. You got to kind of uh, see if all, all the ducks are in a row to see if the accessibility is there. And you spoke to, you know, as as I mentioned, you went through it. You spoke to a lot of people just to get out for a normal course of business. You have to kind of take all these steps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's really, you know, such a key part of understanding, you know, when you start to really see how cities are shaped for the abled user. Right. And I think this is where this concept of the normative user comes up, which I mentioned the piece where unless you kind of have this experience like I had with a disabled mother, you know, or you have a friend who's disabled or you find yourself temporarily disabled because you, you know, broke your leg or something like that. It's hard to, to kind of realize how inaccessible our streets really are and how this could affect other users. You know, for me growing up where we had to make those calls to restaurants and, you know, like I said in the piece where, you know, the, the list is pretty short for restaurants that can qualify often. But I think with these outdoor dining structures, there's they pose both uh, opportunities and pitfalls. And the opportunities being that you can actually add a lot of new space uh, by going into parking spots. You can actually take some seats off the sidewalk and put them into these kind of designated places. You know, the pitfalls being what I mentioned before, where you have new tripping hazards, cluttered sidewalks, uh, inaccessible new spaces, uh, you know, so they could they could help businesses, but they could also create a whole new set of problems. And I think that's where accessibility advocates wanted to make that very clear. Uh, you met with one of those advocates and organizers. If you could describe to me that kind of the walk you took throughout the streets, uh, you mentioned towards the end of it, she was panting after having to navigate all of the ops, basically like an obstacle course trying to get through the street. Yeah, so when I when I met with Iman, who's really such a great source on these on these topics, you know, she pointed out a restaurant that in Midtown Manhattan where you know they had both the outdoor dining structure and the parking spot, but also were adding seats to the sidewalk. And you know, she made a point that you know in COVID, kind of all the public realm became this kind of free game, um, and that's something that you know these kind of temporary problems kind of became you know kind of this pro forma policy in a way. So, you know, we were talking about that. And as we kept going along, you saw all these kind of igloos taking up the pub public sidewalk, these kind of little cottages that were built. Some of them weren't in the parking spots. They were actually on the sidewalk. And for someone like me who has two, two able legs and can get through those kind of tight spaces and can maneuver, it's a bit different for someone, for a wheelchair user like Iman or someone using a walker where they can't, it's really hard to get a wheelchair through those tight spaces. They can't go onto the street just as easily as an able-bodied person can and just kind of get around these spaces. So by the time we walked about two or three blocks, yeah, it was quite exhausting for her. And it was something that was so eye-opening to see how, you know, just how cluttered the sidewalks have gotten during this phase. Uh, you know, even though she'll admit she's a, she's a fan of them, she just wants them to be to be better, improved. 
And so what are the next steps for this? Uh, obviously, raising awareness is one. Uh, I think there was recommendations maybe to say if you're going to open these, uh, open the streets and the sidewalks to this, you know, make sure, uh, you know, you have a little uh, like a mini report or something so that you know that yeah. uh, there's accessibility requirements or rank structures based on their accessibility. Just just to make sure that we're, we're looking out for uh, for our, these disabled citizens as well. Yeah, so I would say there was three main kind of takeaways and solutions that came from the piece. Uh, and I think a lot of this has to do that we're now entering the second kind of iteration of them. You know, you mentioned you're a fan. I'm a fan. I eat in outdoor dining structures all the time. Now we got to figure out how we're going to make these permanent and they are going to exist on the street. So we are in this kind of we're beyond the pilot phase. Right. Right. And I would say the three solutions that kind of came up, the first being uh, what Iman told me, which is we need to reanalyze the streets. If we're on a really busy corridor, you know, maybe we should start thinking about expanding the sidewalk. If we're going to add all these new things to the streetscape and a future city street, you know, does include outdoor dining, which I think it should. Can we start to rethink the sidewalk in the space that we're giving to residents? Maybe we should expand a bit. So that's the first one. The second, I would say, is just education, education, education. I mean, you know. Again, it shouldn't take myself who had a disabled mom to just know about these things or think about them. We really need to get the public to have a change of behavior, as Susan Duha mentioned to me in the in the piece, where we educate the masses. So when they do act, when restaurant owners do put this space out, they do feel that it's wrong. It's not it's incorrect. And also are aware of the huge economic loss, which was a key point to me that, you know, in the UK, they call it the purple pound. You know, these millions of dollars that are lost by businesses when a disabled user decides to go somewhere else and not shop at your business because you decided to, or you were unable to provide accessibility. I think that's the best way of putting it. So education, every step of the way, every time the city talks to a business owner, educating them, here's the proper way to do it. Here's the potential business you could lose, you know, really having that education piece. And I would say the last one is just including accessibility advocates, which to me is the kind of most simple, the, the simplest one, right? right? Exactly. You know, when you're doing these permits, have accessibility advocates there looking them over, making sure they do work for everyone and hiring more accessibility officers in, you know, departments of transportation who are mostly in most cities. They're the departments that are taking care of this. Uh, and and also and I thought this was a great idea, you know, sending those with disabilities out to these outdoor dining structures kind of as like a side evaluation, not to penalize businesses. I think so key you know, that uh, Alan Benz and some other advocates told me where they're not looking to penalize businesses and giving them another fine. It's how can we work? How can we work together collaboratively? If we decide these are going to be permanent, how can we make them really work for everyone? I think a key part of that is just having these accessibility advocates at the table to really decide and really see that vision through. So that's, I think, going forward what cities will really have to look forward to in the coming months. John Sirico, contributor to Bloomberg City Lab. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. 
This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.